Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Sydney Motorsport Park gets set for their return to the championship. Competition is, is crazy tough, so, you know, and, uh, and we'll, we'll fight back in uh, Sydney Motorsport Park like we know we can. Tim Edwards talks about his Car of the Future plans. Yeah, and we're quite up with their progress. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Ford Performance Racing's Car of the Future will run the official EcoBoost livery, which has been on the Ford World Rally Championship and NASCAR programs all this August. The scheme will release this week and will be used during the test phase for the FPR team before it unveils its official 2013 racing colours early next year. Tim Edwards told the V8 Insiders that he was not worried the Triple Eight had already got their 2013 car out on the track. Absolutely not at all. I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're well on track with our first car um, we'll be running it in September with all the control parts not just hybrid things or borrowed things uh, so we'll be running our first car in, uh, in September and our second test will be middle of October um, for, you know, which is our second manufacturer test so you know, I think uh, the fact that theirs is on track a little bit before ours I'm not concerned by that at all we're, um, we've got our own plan we'll work to our own agenda and um, yeah, and we're quite happy with our progress. You can hear more from Tim Edwards on this week's White Flag Lap. While it's a very busy run home for the V8 Supercars events team, Shane Howard has said he's been working with the ARDC to get this weekend's event up and running. Um, the ARDC are promoting Eastern Creek, and um, there's some, been some you know, massive improvements to that venue and. Um, you know, I've spent some time down there recently uh, going through some planning with the ARDC and, um, you know, there's some great, great improvements. I think the fans are going to really uh, enjoy that event. Um, you know, it's a good spectators event. Uh, cars are really, you know, fast there, that turn two and that, you know, to watch our cars come through there is, is something special. Um, but there's a lot of changes and just in the layout of the merchandise, the paddock, um, that's, I think that's going to work really well. They've really uh, done a good job. Um, Glenn Matthews and his team are working really hard on it, yeah. The Sydney Motorsport Park event will be the home race for Frosty Winterbottom, 
who perhaps has not had as much experience at the track as you would think for a Sydney driver. I raced a Formula V round there, and I raced a couple of V8 championship rounds, so um, all my stuff was done on the go-kart track, just uh, 100 metres up the road. But, um, yeah, it's great. It's, you know, it's good for me. I, all my friends come out. Um, you know, I used to ride my push bike down there and watch the blokes when... Back in the 90s, you'd be, you know, you'd go down and watch it. So, um, um, yeah, it's got a lot of memory for me, not for so much track time, just for how close it was to home. And, um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to go up and, um, you know, see your friends and hopefully get a result. But uh, it's a good track. It was, you know, always one that you love driving on. But, um, you know, obviously Sydney at Homebush was Homebush. It was, it was also, a, you know, a massive event. But Eastern Creek as a driving track um, was always a lot of fun. So uh, I'm looking forward to going back there and stone brothers racing driver shane van gisbergen talked about his feelings heading into the sydney motorsport park round of the championship this weekend i think we got to a happier place with the car this weekend with the front end that's been our biggest struggle got a lot of development stuff and we really stepped it up it felt like inside the car i was pretty happy in there but um you know that's one step but the front guys are a few more steps so we'll keep working hard the engineers are, are doing a really good job so I'm, I'm pretty happy, but uh, to make that next step is going to be tough. But it's not a, often you qualify eighth and be happy. We're only 0.18 off, so it's the closest we've been for a very long time. The Giz's teammate Tim Slade said that although he hasn't had any V8 laps around the track, he has at least previously driven there. I've only ever raced there once in Formula Ford. We've done a couple of ride days there in the, in the V8. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just sort of same approach as any other race meeting. Um, I'm really not sure, you know, how the how the car's going to be because, you know, obviously I haven't raced there before. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just need to, you know, keep working on, uh, on bridging the gap to the, to the you know, couple of teams ahead of us, pace-wise. The National Rugby League's TV deal has now been done. V8 Supercars will be looking to confirm their broadcast, pay TV and new media rights as soon as possible. But they are not going to rush the deal. Dick Johnson Racing is holding a family day at Sunday, the 9th of September. It's the weekend prior to the Dick Smith Sandown 500. You can check out all the event details at the Dick Johnson Racing website. And finally, congratulations to V8 supercar legend Jim Richards and former V8 series commentator Barry Oliver on their victory last weekend at the Targa West. The pair is the most successful tarmac rally combination with the wind on the weekend, their second wind in the West to add to their seven Targa Tasmanian victories. And that's the news for Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range at www.nobrac.com.au. After the break, Lachlan Mansell and Gary O'Brien join me on the V8 Insiders. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now.
The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me this week, it's the voice of Winton, who you'll also hear at Sydney Motorsport Park this weekend, Lachlan Mansell. Good evening, Lockie. Good evening, Craig. And also from Auto Action, it's Gary O'Brien. Gary, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, Craig. Good uh, good evening to everyone and you, to you too, Lockie. And um, you're going to hear me out of Eastern Creek or Sydney Motorsport Park this weekend as well. Oh, okay. I didn't realise you were sharing the com- commentary box. Uh, what? No, I'm doing um, improved production. Okay. And what are you in for, Lockie? I'm doing production sports. Um, and, and just on that, interesting that at Sydney Motorsport Park this weekend, they are different support categories to what you normally see at a V8 supercar event because obviously the round was put on the last minute to replace Winton, which has been moved to November to replace the um, the international round that didn't end up going ahead. They had to find some support categories at the last minute. So production sports, improved production, and Formula V all on the support cards this weekend, along with the Aussie racing cars. And I think they'll put on some good racing as well. Normally, we only see those categories in the state level, but they're always very entertaining, and they've got very good fields for this weekend. I tell you what, if Daniel Reynolds doesn't win the Formula V, I will be very, very surprised. It's got nothing to do with V8 Insiders, but uh, any obviously anyone with the name Ravel is interested in watching the Formula Vs. But I must say, whilst we talk the support program at uh, at Sydney Motorsport Park, this does remind me of another time where an international event got cancelled. And that, of course, was when Winton came back onto the program, Gary, because we saw probably the best undercard of racing uh, because they didn't have all the paraphernalia and the rubbish they normally go on with, and it was just race after race after race in that, uh, well, it was very quickly assembled event. Well, it's, it's, it's funny you should say that because I can remember several years ago saloon cars getting invited to uh, Phillip Island to support V8 and Queensland Raceway, and both, both occasions they put on fantastic racing. Um, you know, door, door handle to door handle, a little odd scrape of paint, but no, no big dust-ups, and uh, they've, they've stepped up to the mark every time they've gone up to that level. And now talking V8 supercars, $60 for an adult to get in, Lockie, is a fantastic price. It has a, a lot to do with it being the 60th year of the Australian Racing Drivers Club, the ARDC, which, of course, are the promoters. And I guess the only downside of this is they're racing on the Grand Prix circuit, not on the full circuit, or I don't even know what they call the uh, the, the now lengthened. Extended the, layout. Extended layout, is it? Yeah. But... Lockie, a fantastic price point, which should hopefully be able to get some crowding. Yeah, that'll be one of the interesting things that everybody will be watching this weekend, won't it? How many spectators turn up to Sydney Motorsport Park? Because it has been an event that has struggled to draw crowds in the past. But $60 is pretty affordable, and the weather forecast for this weekend is is pretty good too. So hopefully we get a good turnout and uh, hopefully the racing is a bit more interesting than it was in the previous event at Queensland Raceway because dead set the, the Sunday race in particular at Queensland Raceway was um, certainly not one of the more interesting V8 supercar races that I think we've seen. So 
Thanks to Craig, though, or Sydney Motorsport Park, as it's now known, has given us some classic V8 supercar races in the past, like uh, 2003, when we had that controversial incident between Mark Scaife and Russell Ingall, or 2004, when Rick Kelly came from 17th on the grid to take his first solo V8 supercar race victory in the rain. So hopefully we can get something equally epic this weekend. Mm. One memory of mine from the uh, track formerly known as Eastern Creek, Gary is the occasion where Glenn Seaton was out in front. He was absolutely blitzing it, but uh, he hadn't had his compulsory pit stop. He was trying to run it as long as possible. And then it was in the early days of safety cars, and he came over the button when he realised that the safety car's out and he had passed pit lane and just, uh, well, it was a few expletives saying that they've now got no chance after dominating the entire day. Well, that's happened to him uh, uh, at other events too, like Bathurst when that um, when he was leading with about what nine laps ago, and uh, fifty cent part broke, and uh, also up at Lakeside when uh, got his foot jammed under the brake and ran off at the Northern Loop. So, yeah, you can make and uh, break yourself, and you do uh, can draw your own fate. But uh, the interesting thing about this weekend, more than any other, and I think this is why the race will be good, is only two sets of soft tyres for the entire weekend. Uh, and that's going to be hard to manage because uh, they they say that uh, with the resurfacing of the track, the abrasive level will be up and the tyres won't last as long. Mm. And, of course, you want to balance that out because do you burn your softs in qualifying, Lockie? That's right. Actually, I, I wasn't aware of that, so thanks, Gary, for pointing that out. And I think that will add a bit more of a strategic variable. One of the problems that... Queensland Raceway was that all the teams used pretty much exactly the same strategy where they started the race on the hard tyres, did the absolute minimum amount of time that they could do on the hard tyres based on the fuel range and then went to the soft tyres for the rest of the race. I think this weekend, because there are only two sets of soft compound tyres for the weekend, the teams will have to be a little bit more canny with how they manage those tyre sets and therefore we'll probably see a bit more strategic variation throughout both of the races with different teams trying different strategies. Just if only... Yeah, the thing is, sorry, Craig, the thing you've got to remember too, the, the shot at pole or, or a good qualifying time will be a one lap only. You can't afford mm. to um, carry out on too many laps with your soft tyres. I wouldn't be surprised if some uh, run the gambit and try and use their two sets of softs on the Saturday, for instance in the one race and then just go to the hards and uh, suck it and see for the Sunday race. Mm. It's going to hopefully bring in some more strategies, which was, as Lockie said, woefully lacking at Queensland Raceway. But one thing we did see was Queensland Raceway, Townsville, you know, that northern swing was completely dominated by Triple Eight. Is that going to continue when we get to Sydney Motorsport Park, Gary? Well, that's uh, that's a hard one. I haven't been there for four years. Uh, the track's been resurfaced, so your data will effectively be out the window because your tyre compounds are all different. Yeah, good one. Whoever um, hits the hits the uh, the button the, exactly in the middle is going to be the one that's going to get it. Any little bit of an off offshoot from the side and it's going to cause you problems. Um, it's a hard one, but Triple um, Eight, you know, they're at that level that uh, they can go anywhere now and be competitive. Um, certainly some other teams will have the opportunity to step up to the mark now because of, um, you know, being, being uh, no data 
be able to use from previously there. And the other thing you've got to remember too, while they're doing all this, digesting it, they're developing uh, next year's car as well. So there's a lot on their plate at the moment. Mm. Lockie, your thoughts on who's going to step up? Well, last time the V8 supercars raced at Eastern Creek, which was back in 2008, it was actually Will Davison who won the round, and that was his first ever round victory in the V8 supercars. And I could see Will Davison going pretty well again this year, obviously not driving for Dick Johnson Racing now because he's driving for Ford Performance Racing. Um, but, yeah, as Gary said, I mean, it's completely different since last time they were there. The track layout, even on the Grand Prix circuit, has been changed slightly in that the right-hand kink, um, what was previously turns six and seven, is now just the one corner, so that changes the track slightly. Plus the resurfacing, plus it's the first time they've been there with the soft tyres, plus it's the first time Triple Eight has been there with Commodores and the first time that any of the Ford teams have been there with the FG Falcons. So I don't really think you can look at too much in the way of previous form at Eastern Creek and probably more the form from uh, from this year is a more accurate guide as to the types of results we'll see. I think it'll be Triple Eight versus FTR at the front of the field with Stone Brothers maybe the Holden Racing team if they can get their acts together just behind them and then all the other teams making up the also-ran positions. Mm. Well, I guess the um, the one thing that you can take into this, and then as Lockie correctly pointed out, that Will Davison won the round. The last race was actually won by Mark Winterbottom, so the two guys with form on the board at Eastern Creek are both in the same team and they're both in the top-running Falcons outfit at the moment. Yep, and they're definitely in uh, form this season. We're all waiting for the FPR, you know, long-distance wheels to fall off the car and uh, see how they go through Sandown and Bathurst. We need to take a break here on the Van Insiders. Plenty more when we return. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Ravel joined by Gary O'Brien and Lachlan Mansell. And, guys, uh, one interesting side note is the last time we were at Eastern Creek... The Monday, Dick Johnson was going in for bankruptcy talks and uh, having to fight off the, uh, well, fight off legal action and all sorts of dramas, which is one of the under, other underlying stories that made Will Davison's victory in the round, uh, you know, even more pathetic, if you like. And, uh, gee, we, we get to uh, 2008, fast forward to 2012, and... We still ask questions about Dick Johnson's financial viability, Gary. Yeah, well, as, you, as everyone knows, they're running four cars this year. There's there's some sort of um, scuttle going around that not everyone's happy there. We know that um, certainly one of the wrecks will be off next year uh, to become a, a satellite team under FPR uh, with Charlie Schwarzkopf taking his, uh, his uh, wreck down there from Queensland, Victoria. Uh, we don't know where um, uh, Triple F will be with theirs at this stage, so we've got that to contend with as well. And 
So currently, uh, DJL have one at the end of the year, and they'll be hunting up another if they can get it. So, yeah, it's a bit on their plate. Um, uh, as a, we're not privy to a lot of the stuff that goes on financially, as far as creditors and debitors goes, so can't really comment on that side of it. But yeah, they're not out of the woods, you might say. No, not at all. And of course, the car of the future, Lockie, that is eating up some money. And uh, the drip feed of parts just fascinates me because we've got cars on the track already and the parts haven't arrived yet. Yeah, well, my understanding was that the 888 car that hit the circuit for a test day last week, they actually ran a fuel tank that wasn't the control fuel cell because that's only just started arriving in the last few days. But with the car of the future and the fact that it's chewing up some money... um, I really do have my doubts about Car of the Future and whether it'll be a step forward for the V8 Supercar Championship because if you think back four or five years ago when we were discussing, you know, when Car of the Future was just in its preliminary stages, the the original idea was that it was going to be cheap enough that V8 Supercars could be similar to NASCAR in that the teams would be able to afford to have multiple cars at a time which would mean that the rounds would be able to be close together because one car could be on its way to one round while another car was on its way back from another round. Um, therefore, the rounds would not have to be as far apart, which would mean that you would be able to generate more media coverage and therefore that would expand the sport. But I'm not really seeing that car of the future is going to be enough of a saving to the teams for that to happen. And in fact, depending on who you talk to up and down pit lane, you're getting a range of answers about the cost of car of the future from varying from, you know, slightly cheaper than the current specification cars to some teams are saying that it'll actually be even more expensive than the current cars. And the other problem as well, of course, is that the current specification cars are not going to be worth as much as what they were in the past because at the end of this year, the market's going to be flooded with all of the current cars and um, obviously a lot of them will filter down into the development series. Yep, and Gary, of course, when we look at the Car of the Future program, we have Kellys with their Nissan, and then Tony talking about the fourth manufacturer. Yeah, well, there was a, there was a lot of scuttle going around that originally it was going to be Chrysler. They denied that. Then Mercedes was the next one that popped up onto the uh, onto the proposal board, and they've, they've vehemently denied that they've had, they're doing anything like that. And of course, uh, Kia and Hyundai are the two ones that um, haven't said anything, and they're the ones being speculated about. But um, yeah, the speculation's there, and and uh, Tony Cochran is saying they will have a fourth manufacturer. We just don't know who. Yep, and we wait to see that in the future, guys. Uh, interesting that Kellys have announced that they're they're getting young James Brock into their Nissan program to help get that one up to speed and uh, it's a, it's an interesting way they're going about it trying to do everything on a separate site yeah well um brock's brock's got a, a great history of fabrication uh to his credit i mean he, he built that uh the peter brock uh, replica of the austin a30 and introduced a lot of his own ideas into it at the time which um i think peter brock was a little bit astounded with to start with but then accepted that they were better than some of the ideas he he was trying to uh, work with he spent time at triple eight in england uh, working on their on their their british touring car championship program he's also been at hsv he's also done harrop engineering stuff so you know the the credentials are there and of course he introduced the ve uh commodore to v8 utes as a as a holden franchise basically 
Like he, he definitely has the experience. And the interesting thing is the name association, Brock Nissen. Yeah, that, on that side of it, it is interesting. Obviously, I agree with what Gary said, the fact that he does have plenty of experience in fabrication. Hasn't had such a great season on the racetrack, though, behind the wheel this year because uh, he had a big, big crash in the Australian GT Championship in the Erebus Racing Mercedes SLS AMG down at Phillip Island, which was then repaired, and he then crashed again at Eastern Creek. So, um, obviously, he'll be hoping that maybe some time doing some fabrication stuff will be a bit more successful than his on-track pursuits this season. Mm. <laughs> Guys, it's interesting you mentioned Erebus because they were the one that was linked with that AMG proposal and they've certainly got the links there and I believe, uh, I think Fogue said it on the show that Mercedes Australia actually kiboshed the AMG idea Yeah, I'm not so so sure you really need to have a manufacturer involvement if, if they've got the right componentry you don't. I mean, this, this supercar thing and with this car of the future could could survive without a manufactured back deal. Um, obviously, there's going to be guys running or teams running without manufacturers for support, but still running brands. So, I, you know, what, what's the stop? Say, getting the right engine and um, and then just using parts or or uh, panels to put on your um, on your you know, custom-made uh, chassis. Mm, it's an interesting one because there's obviously a cost involved in doing that, and if the manufacturer is not giving you the panels, for argument's sake, or giving you the uh, access to those pieces of equipment to make it a car like a Hyundai, Kia, you know, Lotus, if you like, uh, then it is going to become a, a more expensive process than just buying the bits that are already manufactured by one of the uh, one of the available off-the-shelf items, Lockie. That's exactly right, and I think that's one of the reasons that you won't see any of the teams that currently race in the V8 supercars changing over to another manufacturer unless there's a pretty substantial financial investment from that manufacturer. Mm. It was interesting to see, and I have to say that um, there's bit of a game out there in uh, podcast land about how many times I say interesting and they want to <laughs> chug a beer along with it I have I've been reliably informed so hopefully that's two for the team there but I received a, 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 a couple of emails over the week and one in particular that I thought was very interesting so thanks to Gary Gannon uh, for letting us know but uh, he was saying that he lives up in Newcastle and uh, in the Newcastle South Central Coast area, he thinks V8 supercars are not doing the advertising they need. And, uh, Gary, it's, it's interesting because that's a very large market with a race coming to uh, Eastern Creek. You'd think you'd be trying to draw everyone out of the uh, Central Coast, South Coast and, of course, the uh, Southern Tablelands. I understand what you're saying there, yeah, but th- this is not a V8 supercar promoted event. This is uh, being promoted by Sydney Motorsport Park, so I guess you've got to lay the blame on them for not promoting outside their, their immediate area. Yeah. Lockie, you're at Winton. You know how you have to uh, get the uh, umbrella out there and tell people what's going on. Yeah, not only am I at Winton, I'm the one responsible for doing all the promotional stuff, so there'll be a bit of pressure on the road there when, with the, uh, the Winton V8 supercar 
event rapidly approaching. If I can get the plug in, 17th and 18th of November this year, so be there. Um, but yeah, it's all about networking with the local media in particular. Uh, in, particular. Um, in the case of Winston, obviously we target metropolitan Melbourne uh, media outlets as well. Um, and do other things just to try and encourage as many spectators as possible to come to the track. So in the case of Sydney Motorsport Park, I, I think you've touched on it. I think, you know, their audiences, not just Sydney, but also some of those outlying regional areas, north, south and west of Sydney. It's got to be. Uh, it's got to be pointed out too that they're not doing this blind. Uh, as people heard in the news, Shane Howard has been working with Glenn Matthews and his team over the uh, what is it three months that the announcement's been made. So it's it's not as if they don't have people that should be advising them in the right direction, Gary. Yeah, well, I agree with what you're saying. You're right, but um, you know the onus goes back on the pr- to promote it to promote. And in this case, I mean, the V8 supercars obviously do their own promotion, but when it's not their event, I don't think they're obligated to uh, to do the full full push for the meeting as um, as you would. As Lockie rightly said, he's promoting his event, and and certainly if V8 supercars are running it, his job task would be a lot less. Mm. But because um, we didn't promote the meeting, then of course he he has to uh, do the hard yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll change the uh, topic slightly because the NRL and both of you coming from Sydney would uh, be well aware of the NRL's influence, particularly in uh, in New South Wales, and uh, their TV deal, their internet deal, all done. And it's a pretty big one when you consider that the AFL is slightly larger, but not uh, not probably as large a difference as what a lot of people were expecting, Gary. No, that's interesting. Um, for those who um, have been out of the country or don't know or <laughs> outside the state of New South Wales or Queensland, uh, yeah, the, the deal's been done with uh, Fox and Channel 9 to uh, to uh, televise NRL uh, games for the next five years for reported $2 billion. Um, and some and about half of that is cash up front, so that's uh, pretty significant. And... Um, the, the deal is Channel 9 basically won't change. They'll have two games Friday night, uh, one live and one on delay, and one game on delay on Sunday afternoon, while, while um, Fox, of course, will have their two games Saturday, two on Sunday now, both live, uh, one at 6.30 in the evening, and, of course, a Monday night live game as well. Um, David Gingell did say that uh, there'd be no way that they would show both games live on the Friday night because they'd be up against each other and uh, it just wouldn't be a palatable idea to go with and I tend to agree with him. I think the only downside of that is, of course, that not a lot of people are too bothered by staying up to watch the second game when they can probably catch a replay on Fox at a more um, amenable hour. Mm. Lockie, what was your thoughts about how this might relate back to VAT supercars? Well, my thoughts are that it takes one of the players pretty much out of the equation, doesn't it? Because I very much doubt that Channel 9 will be interested in pursuing the rights of the V8 supercars, given that they've got the rights to rugby league back. Um, one of the things that's interesting, just as a side note, is that um, previously there was no rugby league coverage at all down in Victoria, but uh, this year the Friday night games and the Sunday afternoon match have actually been telecast on GEM, which is one of the secondary 
Channel 9 uh, channels in saying that, though. Um, I haven't watched a lot of rugby league this year, mostly because and I think Gary will empathise with me here. My team has been doing so terribly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> but the, the... Last week when I expected a win. <laughs> Another thing to uh, take in there too, Craig, and we mentioned it off air previously, is the cricket situation and where that will uh, stand people do. Uh, a lot of suggesting, the insider suggesting that uh, Nine won't have the finances to chase the one-day deal, at least, and that Seven will make a play for the uh, 2020 and the one-day uh, fixes and leave the rest up for whoever wants it, and will that bite into their budget budget to um, to renegotiate a V8 supercar deal? We won't know. So maybe the prime player in all this for, for supercars will be Channel 10. It. It's sounding like that uh, a 10 or 7 showdown is looming, but uh, G10 over the last 12 months, every time you approach them, Lockie, uh, is that, uh, yeah, we'd love to have the V8 supercars, but it's not high on our radar. Now that they've lost the uh, league, they've lost the AFL, and they've folded up their their, uh, sports station in 1HD and changed its format... Is V8 supercars a fit for them? Well, how much of their comments about V8 supercars not being high on the priority list was maybe about them trying to get a cheaper deal for the V8 supercar rights? Um, but I, I think I think you're right. Channel 10 are probably a pretty major player now. One of the other things is the online rights. Now, obviously, they're currently held by Big Pond, Um who also renewed their rights with the NRL, but there are some reports that there's a few other online media service providers who are interested in acquiring the rights for the V8 supercars. Interesting to see how that could play out because Big Pond have the infrastructure. It's uh, it's a very difficult thing to put the infrastructure in place to be able to get the traffic to drive through, Gary. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think we discussed this once before about when um, Optus challenged the right to show um, online after um, when Telstra had to do some time ago, if we remember correctly. So yeah, that one's um, that's not really my forte as far as how that all works. But um, I know that part of the NRL deal was to have online um, live. Uh, fixes. I know for a fact now that if you were logging into nrl.com from Hawaii or somewhere, you can watch replays and well, highlights and all that, which you can't do here. So uh, I guess they're going to open that side of it up a bit more in the future. Yeah, the AFL have those sorts of agreements as well. But the the big thing that everyone's trying to get on is the handheld devices. And it's going to be if you sell your digital rights... How are you going to distribute onto the handheld devices if you don't have one of the major carriers? And when you say major carriers, you are talking uh, Telstra and Optus because the rest just don't have the service coverage to be able to provide it. Um, Lockie, it's it's a handheld world nowadays, isn't it? In saying that, though, I think um, some of the um, other online service providers like Google, for example, have the facility to develop applications that could be used to provide coverage. So there might be something that happens in that department as well. Mm. 
We have got plenty to talk about, but not enough time in this show. So, Lockie and Gary, look forward to hearing you at Sydney Motorsport Park over the weekend. Yeah, it should be good. I'm looking forward to get out there and catch up with you all as well. All the best to then. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on the show as always, Craig, and looking forward to being back behind the microphone of the V8 Supercar event this weekend. Mm, the White Flag Lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders. It's Tim Edwards talking about something that Lockie was touching on, the costs of building the car of the future. It's coming up after the break. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, Tim Edwards from Ford Performance Racing talks to the V8 Insiders about his team's work on their Car of the Future program. As this week, the team released the first pictures of their new livery for the test car. I mean, I know there's been a lot of conjecture about Car of the Future, but the reality is, you know, it, it's happening and... You know, as as the car's taking shape, you know, I can see the inks. Although the guys are, you know, probably daunted and stressing about the amount of work they've got, they're also quite enjoying getting all these new parts. Going, wow, look at this transaxle. Wow, look at this. You know, because you know, at the end of the day, they're all racers, and you know, it's a little bit more of a race car under the skin than the current car. So, you know, for the racing side of all the guys, they're all quite excited about it. Obviously, when you're building a prototype and the first and second cars you're working on a process to be able to make them do you see savings and are you, do you think by the time you get to five and six there are going to be realistic savings compared to these cars currently well i mean we've got three shells sitting in the in the workshop and, it, and for us to have built three shells um in the period that we've built them we could never have done with the previous generation car no way in fact, the third car is actually probably going to be the first car that hits the track, <laughs> just the way things have fallen. So, uh, you know, the first car has an engine and things sitting in at the moment, but the third car is uh, is sort of more progressed in other areas. So, like, I mean, yes, yes, our first car won't run until September, but, you know, the, the way we've been able to productionise a lot of the car has absolutely got savings. I mean, typically we've built... You know, one, maybe two cars a year, and they almost become almost one-offs every time you build a car because you don't mass-produce anything when you're building only a small volume. So definitely building multiple cars simultaneously, that has some cost advantages. And as I say, the the shell has gone together in, I don't know, it's a little bit of a guess, but probably half the time it, it took to build the previous generation shell. Roland's got to build nine. How many do you envisage building for 2013 so we'll have five cars built by the time we go to the first race and uh, probably a sixth shell that's not far from from being plumbed and wired um, as a effectively a, you know and uh, we'll eventually build that into a complete car as well so you know we'll have two spare cars for the for the four and what about other customers what is the breaking or tipping point do you think that you could do if some if some of the other teams needed you to supply cars 
we're, we're, we're supplying um, two other teams in the pit lane with a large component of their car in the futures, but that's commercial inconfidence. But we are, you know, whilst, the, uh, sorry, whilst, whilst they're not buying complete cars off us, mm. they are buying a good chunk of our car. You know, they're buying the bits that suit them. But that's two other teams, that's not Rod Correct. and Charlie? No, 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 other teams. Okay. You, you count them as yours? <laughs> no, no, just we're... we're, we're yeah, Rod and Charlie's asked. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. We're the four cars. Um, but, yeah, we're, there's a couple other teams that we're selling components to. Um, yeah, because that's, you know, th- th- there's quite a bit of that, you know. We're buying a couple of parts off Triple Other people are buying parts off us. You know, we can all, you know, that, that's where we can all make some savings. But, you know, th- it's not like we're all in the business of racing. I don't know. Um, you know, wheel nuts. You know, yeah. the reality is, you know, if I can produce a thousand wheel nuts, you know, cheaper than me producing 200 and someone else goes off and produces 200 you know it, it makes sense that we all work together on those sort of non-critical non-performance things you know we've always got our bits that are we keep our cards close to our chest about but there's a lot of bits that you know, we can actually help each other out with that's all for another week here on the v8 insiders my thanks to tim edwards there of course lachlan mansell and gary o'brien as the checker flag waves over another edition Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.